This time last year, a new devolution deal was unveiled and it hinges on business rates. A successful trial run in Greater Manchester could mean it coming to Liverpool, West Yorkshire and South Yorkshire, bringing with it billions to support local regeneration efforts. I'm David Tame, Analysis Editor at Place North. In today's Place podcast, we're exploring how the devolution deal could change the way large-scale regeneration works, but also be celebrating a rare victory for co-living in a long-running battle with hostile local councillors and wondering if there are too many empty warehouses. This week marks a major step forward for the devolution deal announced last March. The Greater Manchester Combined Authority already had the right to retain business rates and the deal gave them another 10 years worth of retention. But the deal also offered something slightly more interesting. The city region is allowed to identify 1,440 acres of investment zone land which will have a 25-year business rate retention scheme without a reset, according to an official report. Another 1,140 acres worth of growth zones get the same deal, but they don't get the 16 million year additional grant that the investment zones have been offered. Now, there's a note here on the detail. The words without a reset, that is business rate retention scheme without a reset, are very important. The reset in question refers to periodic efforts to spread revenue around the country by changing who keeps how much of what. Over time, local economies change. Some cities do well, so earn more. Others do badly and have less. And the government shaves a bit off here, adds some there, and hopes nobody feels left out in the distribution of business rate revenue. But if Greater Manchester is allowed to escape this reset, it keeps all the additional wealth it generates from its 3,000 acres of special zones. None of it gets siphoned off to help poorer areas. This is a massive gift. So this is how it works. The combined authority knows it has 25 years worth of this special bonus coming its way, so it can borrow against the income stream. Borrowing against the income stream is the whole point of business rates retention. It allows councils to use tomorrow's successes to pay for today's upfront infrastructure costs. And if you believe the hype, everyone's a winner. Now we know this clever wheeze can work, because it's been operation in Birmingham to help fund infrastructure and site enabling at the city's 270-acre city centre enterprise zone. Business rates there are retained, raising about £2 billion, and paying for infrastructure costs of about £1 billion. So everyone's a winner. The whole show, loans included, is expected to be even Stevens by 2045-46. But, and this is important, the clever plan only works if you use your retained business rates to enable the kind of projects that will be pretty certain to yield juicy business rates in return. The sites have to be gold-plated winners, otherwise all this is moonshine and potentially very dangerous, expensive moonshine. This is why a report written by Manchester City Council leader Bev Craig for the Greater Manchester Combined Authorities meeting tomorrow is so significant. Using the Places for Everyone spatial framework as a menu and reviewing regularly to make sure schemes can still deliver, Craig is proposing five clusters of sites adding up to a shade under 3,000 acres. Each of them is, in so far as anyone can be certain, a sure-fired winner. So the lucky five. The two investment zone sites are the Science and Academic Corridor running from the University of Salford to the ID Manchester site about 516 acres in total, 
all of it absolutely ideal for life sciences. And the 950 acres of the Rochdale Berry Gateway site, which is already a mayoral development zone and ideal for warehouses and high value industrial uses. The growth zones, so they're the ones that miss out on this little sliver of upfront funding from the government, are the city centre's northern and eastern fringes, including the Ancoat site tipped for a mega government office, as all adds up to about 355 acres, and a collection of sites around Sulphur Keys and Trafford Wharf site, including the media city site where land securities are pushing on with 800,000 square feet more media space. And that comes to about 500 acres. We've got Trafford Park, which is another 570. Trafford Park, of course, is always buzzing. If you can't earn a whopping business rates dividend from this lot, arguably the most commercially viable sites in the UK outside London, then you've a problem. Now, can all this work outside Greater Manchester? Yes, it can. Liverpool City Region, West Yorkshire and South Yorkshire are already travelling down the same path. Sunderland is heading the same way with its plans for a 1.8 million square foot advanced manufacturing development in the region's investment zone. Others will surely follow. But when this kind of borrowing against business weights was first launched in 2011-12, the idea was that every local authority should aspire to have a go. A new government might think this is a solid, worked-out example of using the proceeds of growth to pay for itself. So watch this business rate-enabled space. Now your weekly rundown of what's going up and what's heading the other way in the Place North elevator. Doors closing, going down. We got more evidence this week that the big shared market is cooling. And that comes as developers line up the next generation of sites. Data from CoStar suggests the pace of pre-letting has fallen back sharply. This time last year, 72% of floor space was let before building work was completed. Now that figure is down to 54%. Net absorption of warehouse floor space is also at a 12-year low, the firm said, adding that about 20 million square feet of newly built floor space is sitting empty. Will this deter developers like Russell's? who chalked up consent for another 430,000 square feet at Hayward this week, adding to a 1.45 million square feet of contented space in the same neighbourhood close to Junction 19 of the M62. Will it hold them back? Hmm. Will it hold back Howarth, who celebrated over Christmas consent for 800,000 square feet at Skelton Grange, south of Leeds? The answer, no, I don't think it will deter them. But investors looking at this data will take a cooler view than they did a few years ago. The dash into shed real estate will turn into a thoughtful stroll. At last, a big victory for co-living, the 20-somethings flat share concept that's had a very rough time with planners and local politicians. In short, planners and local politicians fear this boils down to huge, crowded houses in multiple occupation, and they don't want it. There's been a whole series of defeats and withdrawals of co-living applications, but we now have a victory. Colin Shenton's Oppidan brand has won consent from Sheffield City Council for a 40-storey tower with 428 units on a site at High Street, Sheffield. How did Shenton manage to pull this off? There's an interesting lesson here. 
Oppidan proposed apartments in clusters of four or five studios around a semi-private shared living dining space. Council officers said that on the face of it, this looks like studios, and there's lots of studios in Sheffield, so it wouldn't be acceptable. But they added, this is a quote, assessed on its individual merits, the proposed co-living scheme is considered to be sufficiently different to such other schemes due to its makeup and the level of amenity and internal space standards provided. At the end of the quote. So they liked the clusters, a note there for other co-living developers to follow. But the killer blow, what I think really helped secure consent, was that the application acknowledged that co-living was a novel concept and it might not work. The applicant said that, and I'm quoting again, a typical floor within the tower could be converted into a range of standard one-bed and two-bed residential units, end of quote. So potential failure was a big issue with councillors at the Sheffield meeting, who said a 40-storey block of bedsits represented a literally huge risk. With the assurance that the applicants had already given that the site could be converted into perfectly normal flats, those councillors could be assured they weren't creating a potentially redundant 40-storey social headache. A vote came at the end of a long discussion, opposition one, eight votes for, one against, with two abstentions. That's it for this week. We've seen how a new form of business rate retention could lever enormous resources into regeneration. We've celebrated a rare victory for co-living in its long-running battle with local councillors. And we've established there probably are too many empty warehouses. For more about the built environment in the north, visit placenorth.co.uk. I'm David Tame, and thank you for listening. Thank you.